0: Good morning to everyone. Good to see you all here. You know, we have, um, uh, the the sermon's going to come under the the title, Just Choose One. Just Choose One, which would be uh, uh, some advice that was given to me. But I just want to, you know, just lay out before you that we have really two great um, stories here laid before us this morning. One, of course, is um, the story of Saul. And, uh, and, and 1 Kings and the beginning of the, uh, the kingship in, in the life and times of, of, uh, of Israel. It's a great story about leadership, um, about uh, being careful about asking for what you want because indeed God may give it to you and then you will have buyer's remorse. Um, So I would commend to you all, uh, at the the very least, to look at uh, um, chapter uh, 15 there in that passage uh, of 1 Samuel and um, get a sense of where Saul's uh, journey takes him, okay? But um, our our focus today is going to be on the gospel of Mark and um, the reading just drops us uh, right in the middle of a conflict that's already been going on. And, um, and so it's something that uh, I think we need to sort of flash back a little bit on and, and get a little sense of, of what's been going on to bring us up to this point in Mark's gospel. So there have been uh, Jesus' teachings, and his exorcisms, his, his healings, and this is sending the crowds into pandemonium. Ecstasy, to awe. I mean, people are just going out of their minds. They're asking, What is this? A new teaching with authority. Even the unclean spirits obey him. Like all crowds, and if you've been in a really sort of intense crowd, you know that there is a danger point that can be in a crowd. Um, at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is giving one teaching on, on one day and he tells the disciples, basically, y'all have a boat ready for me in case I need to get out of here quickly. Um, because the crowd could just crush him. It's that kind of intensity. Um, some of us can remember, you know, uh, seeing pictures, let's say, of, uh, you know, one of those rock and roll groups from the 1960s. You know, the, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or something. It's just like madness going on. Or uh, there's a great picture of uh, Martin Luther King and he's just in this pressure cooker of people who could crush him. So that's the intensity that's going on in Mark's gospel. Time and again, the demons, the spirits are howling and they're screaming, you are the son of God. What have you come to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? As he moves through the story and he moves through Capernaum and there in Galilee, a leper comes up and falls at his knees and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, basically, I'm willing, you know, I'm feeling that. Be clean. In Capernaum, a group of guys rip open the ceiling, the roof of a building so they can lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus' feet because they are certain that he can heal him. Then there's another healing that happens. In a synagogue on the Sabbath... Guy with a withered hand comes forward. And Jesus heals him. This is right after he's declared to himself Lord of the Sabbath. And this is sort of an in your face move on Jesus' part. He's in the synagogue. He knows the teachers are there. He knows the Pharisees are there. He knows the scribes are there. He knows they're checking him out and wondering what he's doing. And so basically, he's in their face saying, Yeah, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And I'm going to heal this man right now, today, right in front of you. Because the Sabbath is under me. This is what's going on as we come to today's passage. Find that his family is wondering, has he lost his mind? His family thinks he's lost his mind. He's gone out of his head declaring himself the Lord of the Sabbath It's one of those bitter things that sometimes those who are closest to us do not understand us. One of the aspects of family life. The authorities think that perhaps he is an agent of Satan. And in that, they are committing what we know to be the unforgivable sin. Declaring unclean the one who goes about making those who are unclean clean, declaring him to be unclean, an agent of Satan. He who is filled with the Holy Spirit. They find themselves truly on dangerous ground because already the Pharisees and the Herodians are, are plotting to kill him. And yet his message is clear to anyone with eyes to see and ears to hear. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. He has come to bind the strong man, Satan himself, and unleash God's power. The old boundaries are being crossed. New possibilities are being revealed. Today, his mother, sister, and brothers, his old family stand outside the house, asking him and asking for him, while his new family, His new family sits inside, surrounding him and feeding on his every word. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asks as he looks around the room. Here, here are my mother and my brothers and my sister. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Old boundaries. Being crossed, new possibilities being made. As I look around and see all of you, similar thoughts come to my mind this morning about the body and the family of Christ. I think about Mother Didi and Brother Jim. I think about Mother Deerdorf lying now, in great weakness, and send prayers to her and to Sister Anne, Thomas, and her family as the end of Mary's earthly journey draws near. A while back, someone wrote uh, to the church uh, complaining about my use of brother and sister. Uh, This person found it a little off-putting and overly familiar and not quite in keeping with the, uh, the spirit of St. Anne's. <laughs> if only I had had this passage to lay before that person. The idea of family is one all of Christianity could revisit. Just to give us all a dose of humility and a reminder Of who we are and whose we are and how we are to be with each other. Of course now, you know, Jesus doesn't just open the door to everyone. You know, there is an action that is required in this family. He says, whoever does, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And now, you know, discerning God's will and and being obedient to it is one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian life. Am I right? We can get ourselves tied up into all kinds of spiritual knots trying to figure out what is God's will. We can pile on our own desires, our own prejudices, our own outlooks to where we can convince ourselves that our will and God's will are one. Deus volt. God wills it. That was the cry of the crusaders as they set off to lay siege to Jerusalem and Antioch. Deus volt. God wills it. The phrase is common in the social media echo chambers of the alt-right. It was emblazoned on a shield carried at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Deus Volt. But exactly what does God will to be done in our lives and in our church? And how are we to discover it? There is prayer, there is discernment, and there is faith. Go to God. Sit with God and then give it to God. I remember a time when, uh, in seminary when I was balancing um, two equally fascinating possibilities for a clinical internship. This is part of the uh, training in the priesthood. They send you off to a hospital for a summer and you sort of learn to be pastoral and engaging with people. Two possibilities and i couldn't decide which one to take i prayed but god didn't point the way to one or to the other i weighed every option i added up the pluses the minuses the possible outcomes trying to figure it all out and frustrated Frustrated and very deeply concerned and afraid of making the wrong move. What if I made the wrong move and this whole thing collapsed on me? I took my problem to Brother Douglas. He was a benedictine monk and uh, my spiritual director at the time. I laid it out for Brother Douglas, especially God's unsettling and disturbing silence in this matter. Wasn't God supposed to be sort of a cosmic answer man? Right? You lay it before him and he says, oh, do this one, do that one. Unfortunately, at that time, I didn't have this particular quote. This is from a gentleman named Callistus Ware, who is an Orthodox priest. His quote is, It is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. Now, at that point in my life, something like this was way beyond my head, and I would have had no understanding what the heck he was talking about. I needed an answer. So Brother Douglas listened. He nodded. Then he said, well, just choose one and let God take care of the rest. <laughs> I rolled my eyes. I said, "Like well, what? That seemed re- too easy. Choose one? and let God take care of the rest? It's like, what? You're asking me to live my faith? So I chose one, the one with the really inspiring supervisor, who then promptly quit (laughs) and took another job before the internship even started. I don't know if God laughed or not. But God did keep on working and surprising me all that summer and challenging me with the mystery of his presence as I developed my still-unformed priesthood within the world of a community hospital in Harlem. The will of God had snuck up on me and caught me unaware, putting me where I needed to be, but not merely for myself, but for those I encountered. Like the young white man who was, had overdosed in a nearby park and woke up in one of the hospital rooms and asked me where he was, what day it was, and how the heck did he even get here. Or the family who implored me to watch, stay, and pray as their patriarch took his last breaths. Prayer, discernment, and faith another holy trinity that put me in the right place here's a prayer this is from thomas merton the great trappist monk some of you may be familiar with and some of you might even know the beginnings of this prayer my lord god i have no idea where i'm going Uh, Isn't that true sometimes? My Lord God, you pray, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will, does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe, That the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. In these times, when we find ourselves stymied as we seek to discover, live out God's will, as we seek to understand what boundaries we are being called to cross, what new possibilities are being laid before us, let us remember Brother Douglas' advice. Just choose one and let God take care of the rest, knowing that He will not leave us to face our perils alone. Amen. Amen.